Sean O'Lovely listeners, welcome to episode 130 of Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. That's my terrible attempt at an air horn. Hey, welcome to the show. Uh, I am your titular Stace and joining me in the parlour this month is an uh, absolutely delightful, ruddy, lovely gent. Friend of the show, but he's not been around for a while because we're both rubbish. It's the wonderful Steve Lacey. Hello, dear. Hello, Stacey. How lovely to be back. You've you've redecorated in my best I have, yeah. voice. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. It's lovely. Uh, technically, I have redecorated because I'm now actually recording from a room specifically for working and recording, which I've never had before. But basically, <laughs> the long story short was that I was going nuts trying to work from home in my own kitchen during mm-hmm. all the lockdowns and that. And I was like, I need a room, Rich, or I'm going to start murdering people with knives. So we did a little room and it's very bright yellow and orange and people find it quite off-putting, but I like it. So uh, I spend most time in that room, you or other people. Well, that's the thing you see. It's such a tiny room as well that no mm. nobody can come in here anyway unless they like you know, really want to make a concerted effort to talk to me, which nobody does because, <laughs> because I'm a weirdo. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, how the devil have you been since your last appearance? But I think your last appearance genuinely was in like 2018 or something. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, we, we're going back further than that because I seem to recall. Are we? I, I think it was 2013 because. No. no didn't we do Les Miserables? We did. Uh, but I think you were on a live show after that. Oh, I definitely now the the live twenty four hour podcast we've done two of them one one yeah. planned one less planned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was that was the less yeah. planned one the one where I was like somebody help someone else hasn't it, turned up. It very well might have been that, and I happen to be awake, mm. but no. Um, so yes, I completely <laughs> forgot that the live shows are technically part of you of the pop culture parlourverse. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. but the, so yeah uh, the first. Or the, the, or the time I did a real episode, I remember we talked and sung a bit about Les Miserables. That was the film that came out. And then, yes, I, I did a couple of appearances on the live shows. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I can't remember when the live shows were, but I'm pretty sure I've been in Belgium since then. I mean, I'm yeah, still I in Belgium. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, the context for the people that don't know is that Steve lives in Belgium now. <laughs> yeah. It's not just that he's once had a trip to Belgium, because that... Literally could have been like a week ago. <laughs> I, I, I came to Belgium on like the 14th of March 2020 and oops, couldn't get out. So I figured might as well emigrate. Uh, no, no, I, I, I gosh, I came here four and a half years ago, um, but I had to uh, have a, an entire pandemic uh, in Belgium rather than in the UK, which means that I think my life expectancy is longer. Certainly the chance of yeah. mortality were lower. Um, yeah, it but... sounds a bit right. <laughs> But yes, it was it was very different. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I live in uh, the city of Ghent, which is a lovely city. It's somewhere that I really love being in. And then for two years, I effectively didn't live in the city of Ghent because it doesn't really matter where your apartment is when all you can do <laughs> is be in your apartment. Yeah. Uh, so it, kind of the, the last few months have been really about, you know, once we had the booster shot, we were past that that wave of Omicron at Christmas has been about, right, there's this town that I live in. What's good in it? Can I do some things now? Am I allowed? Yes. I, it turns out Belgium has beer. Belgium has so much beer, mate. Oh, do you know what? It's a uh, beer day Britain today. Cheers, lads. Oh, I lovely. Actually, I am actually drinking a British beer. 
<laughs> I, I was hoping this wouldn't come up, but um, I've outed myself as as getting tipsy on the pod. Sorry. <laughs> it's uh, it's an eight percenter. I didn't mean to open an eight percenter, but it happens. Oh, this bodes well for uh, anything else that might be on the agenda for later this evening. <laughs> Oh, that sounded too sexy. Um, um, yes, I mean, I'm, I'm in Belgium and, you know, I like yeah. to think I'm uh, I'm a bit of a guy, but not that much of a guy. Not I sort that, of 400 kilometres. I was just going to say, I, I was going to say that would be impressive, but actually, no, it would be genuinely terrifying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, let's skirt away from that, though. <laughs> that topic of conversation. I'm um, going to have a little sip on my beer if you want to talk to people for a little bit. So, well... <laughs> While Stacey deals with her rampant alcoholism, um, yeah. <laughs> I suppose I, I should say that if you know me from anywhere, and you probably don't, let's face it, if you're still listening, um, I, I hosted for eight years with my very good friend Andy Leyland um, a podcast about uh, Fantastic Four comics. And then after eight years, we, we kind of called time on it. And then in more recent months, I've sort of felt the urge to sit in front of a microphone and talk without anyone interrupting me. Um, so I brought the show back. Uh, so uh, the show is the Fantastic Ass, and it's been really nice just kind of getting back into critically looking at comics again, rather than they're, they're that thing that in a fluctuating pile to be read of you know varying sizes. <laughs> I've been terrible with comic reading, although I do have two comics on the list to talk about today, which is mm-hmm. quite quite the shocker because I haven't talked about comics for about three years. <laughs> I'm a terrible human being. Well, do you know what? Being the gracious host that I am, gracious and also shit, um, I'm going to let you go first. Steve, what would you like to talk about today on this here pop culture podcast? Oh, man. So I, I kind of I really wanted to talk about the new Star Trek show, which technically isn't available in the UK yet. Mm-hmm. But you're not in the UK, so that's fine. Yeah. So um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is the fourth of the new Star Trek show. No, fifth. Uh, fifth of the new Star Trek shows. So there was Discovery, then there was uh, the animated Lower Decks one, then there was Picard, then there was the kids one, Prodigy, and now there's Strange New Worlds. Okay. And That's a lot of Star Trek. <laughs> it, it is, but they're all doing short seasons, and some of them have decided they're going to be good. Not all of them. Looking at you, Picard. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> um, but uh, what Strange New Worlds is, is it's uh, basically taking the enterprise from uh, the original star trek pilot so that's the version of the enterprise with captain pike and number one and spock and the, it's the further adventures of them uh, and if you you've been watching star trek you'll know that pike and spock and number one turned up in series two of discovery and then strange new worlds is launching off the back of that right uh, and basically it is what it feels like is the writers have gone what made the original Star Trek original Star Trek? Not in terms of, although it's definitely in there, but not in terms of the allegory and things like that, but just actually how did they create their shows? How did they ensure that Bridge Cool got their, their moments in the sun? What kind of stories were they telling? And, and really pushing a, a, away from that kind of, right, we've got a series of 10 to 16 episodes, so what's our big story that we're telling across that? There isn't one. It is a proper you know, series of one-off adventures. And there are character beats that carry on through. And what you end up with is this incredibly fun show that feels like any of these episodes could be slotted in amongst any of the ones in, say, the first two series of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And and it's just a really lovely show. The, the main guy, Captain uh, Pike, is Anson Mount, who you might have seen uh, very briefly in Doctor Strange. I might have, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and, and he is, I think he's a latest pitch out for title of best Star Trek captain. Ooh, okay. He's that good. Well, I mean, I say ooh, okay, as though I know any of the other captains, but um, I always feel a bit bad when people come on the show and start talking about how much they love Star Trek because I have never cared. Ah. <laughs> I say I've never cared. That's not true. It's just, it's just, I've never bothered to. There's so much, Steve, to, oh, there, there to, are. To, to, to see and to read and to look at. And I'm just like, that's too much for this tiny brain. I can't. <laughs> there are hundreds of episodes, yes. But what, what really works this one is that it is incredibly well cast, both the casting from Discovery. So that would be Anson Madeline, Ethan Peck as Spock, who... You remember, um, you, well, you might not, but uh, when, when the J.J. <laughs> Abrams reboot of Star Trek came out and everyone talked about how how good, um, I've forgotten his name, Sila from Heroes was. Oh, Zachary Quinto. I have That's seen it, those, you. actually. I've seen those movies, if that helps. Yeah. That's the, all the Star Trek I've consumed. I'm sorry. <laughs> People talked about him being a really great Spock, but I never saw it. But with a- Ethan Peck, I absolutely see that. The way he, that there is no hint of doing a Leonard Nimoy impersonation, but yeah. instead taking all the things that Spock is and embodying them in a way that is very true to his performance. It, 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 he's really good. And then uh, Rebecca Romaine is number one, um, the the second in command. Uh, and, and she is also incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And then you add in all the other people like um, Christina Chong, the, the, the British actress is playing someone in there. Um, she's really good. Cause she comes from a, a she's got a, a traumatic. Well, lots of people have traumatic backstories in TV shows, um, yeah. <laughs> but the way that she's uh, responding to that, as well as sort of who her family is, is really strong. Jess Bush is uh uh, the, the new version of Christine Chapel, who was um, the nurse from the original series, whose main character point was, oh, Spock, I want to shag you. Um, <laughs> it sounds great. <laughs> she's really good, though, just completely independent, great fun to watch. And mm. everyone is really great in this show. And, yeah, I, I just, the, the sense of fun that you can, uh, I, I watch episodes with a big grin on my face, they are not afraid to do silly. They they didn't. There is an episode where Spock and his Vulcan fiance switch bodies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it is hilarious. Brilliant. And uh, Spock refers to it as trying to avoid hijinks. <laughs> I love the word hijinks. It, it's just it's having Spock word. say it, but actually Spock in the body of his fiance say it is great fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's all one of those where you just go, oh, this, this telly should be like this. Yeah, yeah. It, it should tell really great character stories and really good sci-fi stories, but also just be really enjoyable to watch. So I, I've been having a great time with it. I'm so disappointed there's only 10 episodes. Oh, uh, is there going to be a series two? Or they are just already, gonna... They're already making a series two. They've cast a young Kirk for that oh. um, to try and explore who he might be before he was the captain. So we'll see see how that works out. But yeah, I'm really... Uh, there's only four left. I'm so disappointed because this show has been so enjoyable. You know, I, I've, I've slogged my way through large chunks of Picard. There have been some good stuff in there, but my God, that's a show that um, is not working. And Discovery <laughs> is either really great or, or not very great. But this one is just firing <laughs> oh, on no. cylinders. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I uh, I was going to try and pretend that maybe I'll watch it at some point, but it seems like I actually need to have some sort of basis of knowledge of previous Star Trek, and that's just not, not going to happen. <laughs> I would say not. Like, anything you need to know plot-wise is there in a previously on segment. Okay. 
So, like, one one of Pike's things is he very famously in, in Star Trek has an accident. It's confined to a, a futuristic wheelchair and can only communicate by buzzing. And you might remember, if you've ever seen the Star Trek Futurama episode? Uh, yes, I have. Where it fries in the thing and is giving evidence by tapping away. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a very specific callback to that. But in Discovery, he, he encounters a time thing doesn't matter and gets a flash forward to the moment of the accident so he knows on such and such a date his life is going to change and he won't be the same person literally afterwards so there's that kind of thing but it's a thing that's in the background you're not going to watch the episode and go well i didn't see this bit so uh, i don't know what's going on it's all character stuff it doesn't affect the main plot but it it is yeah and it looks lovely as well because there's no excuse for making ugly looking sci-fi in uh, 2022 is there I mean, there's some. Ex- there, there is. I was going to say there is some excuse, and and part of it is terrible budgeting. As in, yeah. let's wang all our money on one particular thing, and then have this look like a fart. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, had have you seen Barry Allen attempting to run in the last couple of years on the Flash? I'll be honest. I I've given up on all the CW shows now because well, I, I think they are grey day shut it. There aren't any left to follow. They've all been now. Um, uh, for some somehow they forgot to make people look like they can run which for your program about a bloke who can run and this family of people who can also run is a bit of a bad thing (laughs) it's not the best thing no no i will however come to the defense of superman and lois well i did watch the first episode of that and then i remembered i don't really like superman and i'm also not really that into like high school drama so I was like, I don't, this isn't for me. Uh, but it's like, it's one of those things that like, I'm not offended it exists. Like, it's fine if people enjoy this. It's just mm. not, it's not my bag. That's all. I wish more people were this cool about things that they don't like. <laughs> no, 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 this is the internet. We must. I uh... know, oh, I should probably have like stronger opinions, but eh, I'm sort of, I've got to that point of like sort of, you know, post COVID and like literally, you know, gestures at everything in the world mm. uh, where I'm just like, let people like what they like, lads. It doesn't matter if, if people want to like Jurassic World Dominion or whichever, whatever it's called, the new one that everyone's arguing about. Just let them. It's, there's, mm. you know what? It's been a, it's been a shitter for, for everyone. Let's just let people enjoy things that they enjoy. I am. Um, I wanted yeah. to do like a really terrible segue because oh. you mentioned um, Anson Mount. Um, yep. Just to is that his name? I just had a real crisis that, of my own that is brain. His name Anson Mount. <laughs> okay, good. I think because briefly I thought of the footballer Mason Mount and confused myself. <laughs> uh, so have you seen Doctor Strange? I have. Yes, I was there on the very first night it was out in the Netherlands because I went to the. So I, I live in Belgium, but I actually work just across the border in the Netherlands. And there's a tiny theatre in town. And I was like, great, I have to work late this day anyway. So I'll go and get some food. Then I'll go and see it in the cinema there. Oh, nice. Yeah. We uh, we saw it at like 11 o'clock on the opening day over here because we literally booked a day off work. Yeah. Because <laughs> we wanted to see it, but we didn't want to see it with a crowd of people because we're still not that cool around crowds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just not, I realised as you were talking about Anson Met that I hadn't talked about this on the podcast yet. Right. Um, because I missed last month's episode because I actually had COVID, oh, no. <laughs> which is something I should have explained at the start of this episode and apologised to all the listeners for skipping a month. But I've only got like four listeners, so I'm sure they'll I, be fine with it. I'm assuming <laughs> it, uh, it went okay for you either that or you're haunting this skype call yes i'm, I'm actually broadcasting from beyond the grave um 
no, no. I say, I was going to say, yeah, it was pretty mild. It wasn't. It was a fucking disaster. Mm. But it wasn't a hospitalisation level disaster. So I'm going to call yeah. that. Yeah. But what the, I will the joy say, of being vaccinated to make it a thing that you, it's, yeah, it's not fun to have or deal with. But at least you're not upside down in a hospital bed with tubes yeah. down your throat and God yeah. knows what else. Yeah. Yeah, I would not have coped with that, like, even a tiny bit. But I will say this. I will say that if you are thinking of getting COVID, I know it's not really something people control. Don't do it on the same day that you get your period if you're somebody who menstruates, because that is a fucking living nightmare. (laughs) So it wasn't one of those puts having a period into context things then? No, no. It was like, like, you know how you thought you felt like shit? Because I got, like, I didn't get the... um, the lack of taste or smell but i got pretty much every other symptom so like we're talking like sore throat body aches uh tender skin head like massive bad sinus headache for like six days straight really bad vision snot everywhere snot sneezing like just just a disaster and then the day i took my test because i was like oh no i feel like shit lads let's have a look at this old test uh almost exactly the same moment i was like oh no i've come on my period and then my body was like would you like some stomach cramps and some really intense lower back pain just to add to this discussion and i was like (laughs) and i actually did just cry because i felt really sorry for myself but I'm alive. I am indeed alive, but I did miss an episode of The Parlour and I'm very sorry for that. But that means that I didn't get to talk about Doctor Strange with anybody yet. Please tell me you liked it because otherwise we're about to be at odds. <laughs> well, it's been nice being on the show. Um, <laughs> I think maybe I'll just walk through this door here. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, OK, my thoughts on it was I think it looked amazing. Yeah. Um, I thought the some of the images that were up there were great. Um but I thought the writing was appalling and Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> still cannot act while being mm. Doctor Strange. And also they yeah. kind of made they Miss America wasn't right. Not Miss America, America Chavez, sorry. America Chavez, Wrong. yeah. She 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 looked it, but she wasn't it. So I don't really know her character that much, so I didn't really have a problem with that because I was just expecting like a rad sort of dimension hopping bird. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much what i got i um, mean if, if, if you're going to describe a sort of the things that come to mind for me are she's fantastically fierce she absolutely knows who she is and yeah. uh, very fucking queer um right all of those things were kind of put to the side for this version where she's a scared little 13 year old running through dimensions and there, she, had, she had a pride pin on her jacket so i guess that took care of the queer rep yay mm, yeah <laughs> Yeah, that that did annoy me a bit because I do know that she is very fucking queer. And I did say to Rich, I was like, this feels very much like a we're going to sort of allude to it, but not in such a way that we, you know, are being really obvious about it. It's sad that a pride pin on display is probably the most prominent it's been in a Marvel movie. But that's a whole other kettle of. Yeah, don't worry. In six months' time, we'll get our next first ever queer character in Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> in December, we'll get our next, oh, first live-action queer Disney character. And it's not oh. just Josh Gad doing subtext in interviews only. Oh, dear me, honestly. I could, like, I could do a whole podcast about the fucking shit shit rep but yeah i won't i won't i won't go there right now because i'm trying to be positive (laughs) another thing for me with doctor strange was i wasn't anticipating so doctor strange one for me was very much like in the middle of my marvel cinematic universe rankings it was like perfectly serviceable 
almost the exact same film as Iron Man, but with Benedict Cumberbatch not being quite as yeah. good. Um, <laughs> like I was like, it is. Oh, it, it's Iron Man's story. Where where Doctor Strange works is the really trippy visuals. Yes, um, yeah. Casting Mads Mikkelsen, you can't go wrong with him. Yeah, and Tilda um, Swinton, wonderful. Yeah. And then having wonderful. the final confrontation wasn't a big CGI punch-up. There was a shit ton of CGI, but it was more manipulation of a time loop kind of thing. It was yeah. a very unique, and I really like, I do genuinely regret not seeing it in the cinema because I yeah. watched it on Disney+. Oh, Plus and mate. When you're on the smaller screen, uh, you realise how quickly the film makes you forget that Rachel McAdams is in scenes when she's on <laughs> when she's in them. You forget she's in the movie yeah. while she's on screen. The the character is a complete nobody. Yeah, they they did her a real disservice in that first film. And I will say, seeing like uh, all that sort of like kaleidoscopic mirrorverse stuff on the big screen is just mm. delightful. Um, but with this movie, so like. I wasn't expecting much. And also, because I'm an idiot, I didn't know who the sort of, like, big bad was going to be. I'm no. gen- genuinely a dickhead. Like, everybody no. was saying to me afterwards, how could you not see this coming? And we are going to spoil this, everybody, just so you know. Didn't expect it to be Wanda. Like, even a tiny bit, because the trailers were done actually really well in such a way that it just looked sort of like interdimensional monsters doing a rampage or something. Um, yeah, I was expecting the sort of uh, Cathon or something like that. Um, it, you're not an idiot because I was also, oh, we're doing Wonder as the big bad, and I was like, oh, have we have we watched Wonder Vision? Well, we're this kind of repeating uh, her story again, but going bigger budget. Yeah, I think this is the thing where this film let it down ever so slightly for me because I mean, I thought I loved this. I came out and I was like, yes, brilliant want to see more of this please and thanks i do agree with you that i think benedict cumberbatch is tantamount to a piece of wood in but only in the marvel movies like all the other things i've seen him in i think he's a good Mm. actor so i don't know if it's the american accent that maybe is stilting him a bit i don't know it's the Um, wig for sure the wig definitely doesn't. It looks like he's oh. pulling his whole face off in some scenes. Like a, it's, it's like that possessed hair that Snake gets in the Treehouse of Horror episode <laughs> of The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> it's so, it's so oh, bad. It's a, disaster, it's a disaster wig, that is. Like, you've um, got them CGIing Spider-Man suits onto Tom Holland. It's just like, but what you could do is, right, is you could get this hair right and you could weave it into some kind of cap thing that you blend into his skin. It just, it'd be, you could do it better. You could absolutely do it. <laughs> and I know, like, I've had this conversation with people before where they say, you know, sometimes it's to do with budgets or time constraints or whatever. It's I'm like, I'm, budget issues on I'm Marvel sorry. Movie. Yeah, it's a Marvel movie. If they can't afford to just get some hair right, they're doing their budgets wrong, lads. <laughs> but, yeah, the thing that threw me and sort of dropped this down like half a star for me was that it did feel like a bit of a retread of WandaVision, but, like, turned up to 11. Mm. Um, and One Division has been my favourite MCU TV show, personally. Right. Partly because I think I'm basically in love with Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda. I think she's wonderful. And I could watch her tell Doctor Strange that this is her being reasonable all day, every day, because holy shit. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't know what I was expecting from this movie, because as soon as it was like, you know, when they do that reveal in the Apple Orchard, that actually she's doing a, a Scarlet Witch in an evil. I was like, oh, no, because <laughs> here was me thinking, right, when's the next monster going to show up? And I was perfectly content with the idea of it just being like the occasional monster trying to chomp on America Chavez. That mm. would have been shit now that I think about it. 
<laughs> like the movie that we got was a thousand percent better than that but uh, what i will say because i know there's been a lot of discourse online about whether this like negated her story from one division or whether it sort of makes women look like hysterical grief monsters or <laughs> which it sort of does but i think the film personally and i'm not you know I, i'm not somebody who has ever lost a child so you know take my opinion with a pinch of salt but I personally think the, the One Division lead up and the and the film itself did a really good job of showing that it wasn't just her grief that was causing her to go down the evil path. It was the fact that she was grieving, she was dealing with so so much grief from over the years, and she happened to get hold of the Darkhold. <laughs> like that book's evil, yo. It's it's. I think I think if the if I'd have got hold of that book when I was on my period and with COVID, I'd have probably gone down a pretty terrible route myself. So, like, I think it, I don't think it was saying that grieving women are hysterical nurses. I, I think it was saying that, like, look what can happen if grief goes down, like, the wrong path. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's, that's how I read it anyway. And I think it's totally valid if you saw it and, and felt that it was putting, you know, grieving mothers in a in a bad light. Like, I can I can see where that's coming from. That's not personally how it read to me. Um, but I still think her, her performance is so powerful. I do think I do agree that the writing is a bit dodge. Um, the the plotting is really all over the place. Like um, for the third act, where you need some extra uh, problems, then suddenly okay, there there are these ray things which will attack you. Which be, despite the fact that they've had no problem with Wanda doing all this stuff, so yeah. you dream walking or whatever it's called, um, and you know the fact that they they I think did a service to America Chavez by not letting her be the character from the comics by making her mm-hmm. a younger, less sure one. Yeah. And and also, I just felt like if you're going to call the, your film the multiverse of madness, we need to see more than two parallel universes. Yes. And yeah. make them just a little bit mad. And also a bit more different, because like, I did say to Rich that there's like a very sort of brief bit where they're kind of falling through yeah. a load of portal holes where you see Which like, is almost too fast for you to, yes. to grasp what's going on. So like you you, you occasionally I think I think you briefly saw like um the animated universe from like what if was there and like there's just like loads of different they're just falling through loads of different that you could barely even tell what was happening and there was there was a couple of those where I spotted little bits and I was like I want to go to there what's happening there mm. but where we end up is like a fairly similar New York with yeah. an Illuminati and then we get like a the, the dead it's almost York. a desert that's just got a sanctum in the middle of it yeah <laughs> um, we, when i was like that, oh that's a bit that of, that looked great this sort of world that's falling apart and there's just what's left of the sanctum at the center of it all but yeah the yeah. the one we spend most of our time in isn't different enough other than look a whole bunch of characters that legally we've not been able to include in films up until now <laughs> yeah um, yeah. So that, that's where you got your Patrick Stewart, Professor X, which was a, a nice moment. I like that it was him with Wanda because it's that kind of ties back a little bit to the House of M stuff. Yeah. Uh, we get John Trzinski as Mr. Not That Fantastic. Oh, mate, do you know what? I don't know what, like, I like John Krasinski, but people have been like wanging on about how much they would love him to be Reed Richards and he did absolutely I know he didn't get a lot of time but he did absolutely nothing 
Yeah. <laughs> he was just like generic man. <laughs> and they, because um, I, I, obviously I was watching this very closely when he turned up. Um, and like yeah. any point, other than when he's spaghettified and killed, mm-hmm. like all his stretching is designed to be as off screen as possible. So they're not tying anyone into anything for a future film. Yeah. And then we, we get Anson Mount, which is how we got onto this as Black Bolt. Uh, and he gets what I think is the dumbest fucking thing that's ever happened in Marvel. Oh, which is uh? when Wanda seals his mouth over like a Keanu Reeves at the start of the first Matrix. And yeah. him with his lethal voice thing decides to shout and then blows his own head up instead. Yeah. I mean, um, I was I was laughing at that so much. I was like, I don't think this is played out the way you wanted it to. No, I think it's supposed to make it look like she's gone full off full on the deep end like for it's it's madness lads madness um mm. but yeah i did i did find that quite quite funny <laughs> yeah i know i shouldn't have but uh, i did but um overall like the one thing i will say is that there was a lot of stuff in this film that i felt like marvel wouldn't have done if they hadn't have had sam raimi behind it yeah. and i think it was like much more interesting i think that's why i rated it so highly because like as much as I enjoy, I think most of the Marvel movies I've really enjoyed, and then there's a couple that I'm just like, eh, and then only one that I think is actively bad. Oh, which um, one's that? Uh, Captain America: First Avenger. You're also on the side of that's not a very good film. It's dreadful. It's, it's absolutely dreadful. Cap- Captain America is one of my favourite characters, and I was so hyped to see that film, and I was like, well, what is these crock off sheets? <laughs> I've, I've grown. I've, it has gone up in my estimation since the first seeing, but basically. Mm-hmm. The moment he puts on a costume for the first time, a proper costume, the film becomes really boring. It's a bit like the first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. It's loads of great stuff. And then he's got the costume on and he's doing a Spider-Man stuff. He's just like, eh, boring, get to the end. The last line of Cap is great. When he's in New York, he just goes, I had a date. That's a really great moment to end on. Yeah. But it's sort yeah. of the hour and a half in between that's a problem. Yeah. But, so, yeah. so yeah even though i really enjoy most marvel movies they are like on such a formula like aside from maybe endgame they're on such a formula that i'm just like i know what i'm getting into and then with this yeah. it was like yes it was the same sort of like you know doctor strange wins in the end against whatever the big bad is kind of thing formula i wasn't anticipating it going where it went i wasn't anticipating there being like a mostly dead like zombie doctor strange dragging I, himself around the end of the film just looking wonderful like, i i think i mean that's very much sam raimi bringing but i mean the, the shot where his hand broke free of the the the, the grave basically i was just like oh, okay that's why you got sam raimi <laughs> i was, was like, like yes, yes. um and i think it leaned into some like really cool like visuals that I think only really Sam Raimi could have like brought to the table and yeah. actually got signed off. Um, one bit in particular, the, the bit where Strange and another version of Strange are having a fight with music it blew my mind. I was like, what am I even looking at? This is rad. <laughs> I, 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 I kind of, on one hand, I was like, okay, I really appreciate the concept here. And then I got really annoyed that what they did was throw snippets of famous orchestral tunes to each other. It's like, hold on. First of all, this is piano music. Yeah. Secondly, like I, I felt that was something more interesting to do with what the music was as they were hurling stuff at each other rather than just going da 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 da. Ow. Okay, I throw it da 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 back. It, it, that kind of I, I was a little disappointed in, but the concept of it mm. I thought was good. And yeah, I think they got very close to doing something. I, I was just picky with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, there were shot compositions as well. 
like um when you when they're in Wanda's head and it's Professor X and you've got all that white space except that small pile of rubble um the the disintegrating mansion from the other universe where the evil yeah. Doctor Strange is you know there was some really great stuff there um I, I think yeah in terms of what you see on screen it was definitely different yeah, yeah. I think Danny Elfman was having a whale of a time with that soundtrack as well the score was one of the main things I noticed mm-hmm. and like I suppose you could argue that a score shouldn't be so noticeable that you're like you know almost disregarding the movie but there were some bits of, of that score where i was just like this is fucking genius level i love i love it so much mm. uh, it's probably my second favorite of everything i've seen this year so far because the michael giacchino batman score is okay. just constantly in my head it, uh the less said about the batman the better <laughs> i did say i was trying to be positive uh, okay <laughs> Uh, I, I did yeah. like the score though i'll give you that the score but yeah was... i mean i yeah I, I i was i was just like i think i just wasn't expecting what i got and so i was like super impressed because i do think there's like there's so many movies now where like all the best bits are in the trailer or everybody's talked about every single tiny weeny detail online already beforehand that you go to the film and you're like it could be the best film you've ever seen but you're just like eh because <laughs> like you just knew exactly what you were getting whereas with Doctor Strange I feel like those trailers like I I thought Wanda was going to team up with them and help them defeat whatever the thing was yep. that was I thought um I wasn't sure if like maybe Kang might show up like who knows so I was just like yeah but I, I, I was really happy when I came out of that film not as happy as when I saw No Way Home which is still like my favorite thing in the world right now but um okay let's treat that like the Batman <laughs> and move on <laughs> Um, do you want to move on to a bit of Obi-Wan? Yes, because I, I happen to have actually seen the most recent episode, but I can avoid spoilers if you haven't. I haven't, but I'd, I don't mind if you spoil, because A, I'm very forgetful, so I'll probably forget by the time I watch it. Okay. Um, and, and B, I don't really mind spoilers for Star Wars things, because I'm not. Like, <laughs> I've got a very weird relationship with Star Wars in that I tend to enjoy the stuff that I watch, but I'm not that bothered. If that makes sense, like I'm not ravenous to seek it out and I'm not like, shut up everybody when, when people are spoiling things online. But I do enjoy them when I watch them. So, yeah, how do you feel about Obi-Wan? So I, I think I for me, the first episode was one of the best bits of Star Wars I've seen. Like, I'm not a massive Star Wars fan, but having come off the back of Book of Boba Fett, which I thought was just slow and uninteresting. Yeah, same. Um, <laughs> Boring hell. Obi-Wan, that first episode, is it doesn't, do a huge amount it doesn't move particularly quickly but it's very careful in what it does do so i think of that repetition of obi-wan when he's out on that, that butchering job that he's doing yeah yeah and the the cleaning of the knife slicing the bit off for his horse thing getting the the the, the ride back to moss eisley and that repetition but the way that it sets up that every time he walks back into moss eisley something's changed and the danger is slowly increasing yeah yeah. I thought was really interesting. I wasn't expecting you know Leia to be in this at all, and I think that little actress does such a good job with Leia, except when she needs to run. She's not a fast runner, <laughs> and everyone has to slow down so much when she needs to run. <laughs> Do you know, that was one of the things I thought was re- like I genuinely laughed out loud and Rich was like, this is supposed to be tense, you know, when yeah. they're chasing her around the forest. I can't remember if it was episode one. I think it was episode it's one. the first one, yeah. And they're chasing around the forest and there's like 12 fully grown men. Like, oh, come back here. And she's just like casually yeah. she's, toddling. She, <laughs> she does such a great job in all, with all the acting, with uh, the emotions, with, with yeah. being sarcastic sassy. and sassy, yeah. yeah. But she can't run. 
it's quite, it's quite a horrible thing because she's only six like six-year-olds aren't natural sprinters most of them aren't <laughs> uh but it's yeah but yeah so i i really like that first episode and i think the further we get away from what that first episode was doing the more i'm just becoming a bit eh, with the show yeah i yeah i don't know how i feel about it really because i adored the mandalorian yeah. and i thought boba fett was just boring af until the mandalorian turned up for the last like, two episodes and then it got vaguely interesting again but I didn't know what to expect from this because, as I've mentioned like a million times before, my memory is very, very bad. And I don't think I could honestly tell you because I've only seen them once. A single thing that happens in the Star Wars prequels, except that Natalie Portman dies and people are cross about it. <laughs> um, that's like literally all that's that's in my head. Yeah. Anakin was there. I think somebody chopped his legs off, maybe. Uh, Obi-Wan chopped his legs off. Obi-Wan chopped his legs off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's basically all I could remember. So I went into this thinking there is a strong chance this is going to sail over my head because I'm not going to remember the pertinent details of what came before uh, or what's due to come afterwards. (laughs) Um, But... First of all, I think they did a really good job with their, like, previously on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, no, they did a really good job of kind of picking up all the important beats of the prequel trilogy <laughs> so you didn't have to watch nine hours of not very good film. Every time we finish an episode, it's like, do you want to watch Phantom Menace? And we're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. <laughs> um, but I thought they did a really good job, like you say, of like, yeah, just whittling down the very pertinent bits. So I didn't feel at all like I was missing anything once it started. So I was like, right, I know where we're at. I've got a vague idea where we're going. So I, th- I think I'll be fine. The only gripe I have with it so far because I actually kind of adore that that kid can't run. I think it's really funny, even though it's not supposed to be, but it just makes me laugh. The only gripe I have so far, and this is purely me, and, like, it's just a personal preference. I'm not having a go at him. Ewan McGregor's British accent does my fucking Sweden. It's it's so, like, drama theatre. Like, I don't know, like, it just something about it just makes me want to slap him. I'm like, you're annoying you are. (laughs) And that's not how you should be feeling about ostensibly the protagonist of the show that you're watching i mean i feel like it's hard to blame him for that because he was hired to be a young alec guinness yeah yeah and and so the whole thing is based on his interpretation of how alec guinness who who gave zero fucks whilst filming the movie and genuinely regretted it afterwards um it's all about that Mm. um so i mean it's kind of i've seen the prequels a few times most recently just because well i can watch all the star wars films from start to finish and uh, i don't have to do them again except for rogue one and last jedi um yeah i mean genuinely so i keep saying that i'm not a star wars fan but the one thing that i think really impressed me in this is it clarified something i've never really thought about and it's done something that i've only seen done once before let me talk about the time it's done once before and that's reading kieran gillen's darth vader which the the setup of that book is Darth Vader wants to find out who the guy is that shot him out of the sky above the Death Star. And yeah. the climax of the first arc is he gets the name and the last page is him saying the name Skywalker as all the shit is cracking, is a big window in front of him that's cracking with the power of his force. And that realisation, of course, knowing that 
Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker when he hears that it's going to be the kid and that he didn't know there was a kid and it can only be his son. That's yeah. got to be a big moment. Of course, that's completely skipped over in the original trilogy because you end Star Wars and at that point George Lucas didn't know that it was Luke's dad as Darth <laughs> Vader. And then yeah. you pick up with Empire, he's looking for Luke Skywalker. That's probably one of the, the biggest moments that's never in the film. But I, you don't think about it either until it was there on the page. You're like, oh shit, of course, this is a huge moment. And yeah. that's what... So what they do here is confirm and make you make it explicit. Ben doesn't know that Anakin survived. Ben doesn't know that Anakin is Darth Vader. Yeah. And he learns it there. And again, you you don't really think about it. You you assume because at the end of three, you see Hayden Christensen get the armor and he stands up and then James L. Jones does like two words and you're like, Darth fucking Vader. You assume that everyone else knows this. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a really good moment, and and something I like when you 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 dramatise a point of continuity that must happen but you've never seen before. Yeah, yeah. I think that Darth Vader in these TV shows has been like upgraded to like terrifying badass, because <laughs> like as much as he is bigged up as being like you know like a really big bad in the movies, mm. like I don't remember ever feeling like. Oh shit, Darth Vader's here. Shit's gonna go down. Ah. Um, well, I think part of that has to be that you and I are of an age where we came into the films yeah. after the trilogy was complete, so it was known probably before, certainly before I ever saw Star Wars. I knew that Darth Vader was Luke's dad. Yeah, me too. Me and you too. sort of know the beats of that, which is different from if you were a kid in 1977 and then you're there in 1981. Yeah. But and I do had think four years of just that memory, not even the ability to rewatch it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because now everything's like, I'll just yeah. watch it this instant. Why don't I? Um, no, I do think, because I think in Rogue One as well, like, I, th- I think Darth Vader is like genuinely scary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to fuck with Vader, the Disney fied Vader. <laughs> He's a nightmare. <laughs> and that, but there's so much that goes into that. And part of that is. Mm. You know, the flickering lights. It's such a good trick to use with the lightsaber. Yes. Yeah. And uh, didn't they did that in a Mandalorian episode, didn't they? The, mm-hmm. the one where it's the jailbreak. I loved that episode so yeah. much. It's like uh, a heist uh, movie in space. <laughs> that That's such a great trick that they don't do. Um, so, mild spoiler for this episode. Darth Vader has a big old lightsaber fight. And nice. Well... <laughs> Because Hayden Christensen is playing Darth Vader, it turns out Hayden Christensen isn't that good a lightsaber fighter anymore. Oh no! <laughs> and the filmmakers don't work around that with like quick editing and things like that. Oh no! So I'm hearing you say, "Oh, he's so intimidating." I'm just like, I was watching him be slow and sort of how I would be if I was. Uh... <laughs> Oh, I know. Well, He's after I, two swings. <laughs> I, I don't need this ventilator. That's how my lungs sound. I'm overweight. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's actually really funny. I have been wondering about Darth Vader for this show because yeah. I feel like there's got to be some point to actually making it Hayden Christensen, right? He's got to get out of his mask I won't, I won't say why, but this today's episode had a point to having Hayden Christensen. Okay, because my worry was is that like what what are we doing? Like cast somebody who's because as much as I have been enjoying the physical performance, like Darth Vader is made by the voice. Yeah, like, that it's intimidating and scary as shit, and also sort of vaguely pleasant. 
<laughs> it's like it's the scariest thing in the world because part of you wants to hear some more of it but um yeah i did i did, I did think like why wouldn't you hire somebody who's potentially because and this is not to rag on hayden christensen i've not seen him in anything other than the star wars movies so i, I don't know what his acting ability is really like especially now that he's like grown up but like there are people who can specifically move around in big clunky costumes Mm. or with masks on or both there are people who can do that and they can do it really well and almost make it look like a fucking dance they're so good at it so i did think there's got to be a reason for picking him over just having you know james Earl jones being amazing and then just some rando in the suit who can fart bit in a suit <laughs> i mean the cynical side is so that they can say it's hayden christensen and ewan mcgregor that is the yeah that's also true <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is the Hayden Christensen is the only time you care about who's in the suit. With, with the greatest of respect to um, Dave Prowse, you know, he was only ever a presence, and you don't go, oh yes, that's definitely Dave Prowse in that suit. It's real Vader. Yeah, yeah. Because as you say, it's about the voice. It's James L. Jones. Yeah, but I have been like all of that said, I have been really enjoying it so far. Hmm. There was just. <laughs> There are some bits, though, that keep sticking in my head, and I'm sort of writing them off as Jedi mind tricks it's got to be because there's no other way that you could get away with this. And it's two things. It's firstly, and I don't know whether this was something that was always intended in the movies or not, so I don't know, but it's the fact that everybody's on the lookout for a Jedi, and Obi-Wan is constantly wearing Jedi robes. (laughs) He's just walking around in Jedi robes. Now... Like, so I have to assume in my own brain that he's constantly Jedi mind tricking everyone's like, I'm wearing a three piece suit, lads. Like, like they can't, they surely, they can't be looking at him and going, that's not a Jedi. Yeah. I mean, because you thought they just sent a picture out and be like, hey, well, like, it looks like would... him from train spotting. Let's call in the fascists. <laughs> I mean, you would think so, but in lieu of that, let's pretend we haven't got that technology, even though we know we have. Yeah. Like, like, just the idea of someone running around looking dressed exactly as a Jedi and people are going, well, wonder where the Jedi is. Anyone seen a Jedi? Or you, you and McGregor, have you seen a Jedi? He's like, no, uh, of course I haven't. Um, and the other thing that was just, I could not stop laughing at, and I was like, again, he's got to be Jedi mind tricking, is when they try to escape from like an Imperial spaceship with Leia just tucked under his coat. <laughs> And it looks like, um, you know, that character in Bojack Horseman yeah, who's just three young boys in a trench coat? Vincent Adult Man. <laughs> looks exactly like Vincent Adult Man. Her little legs are just there, sticking out the bottom, just walking along. I'm like, he's got to be met. There's no way people are just not seeing this. That, like, that whole <laughs> escape thing was so... Because you've got that moment. You've then got the bit where there's a spaceship blasting away at third sister from zero range and it just looks stupid when she's holding her hand up and going no lasers i'm fine and then uh then someone dies and it's supposed to be really moving and effective but we're like who the fuck was is that the guy from the front of the episode no that guy's there who was this dude who just died and why is everyone sad i don't know who like, he was <laughs> you want us to be sad but we don't know who he was no it's uh yeah there's been a couple of just like daft just genuinely daft things yeah but i think it's just it's been so enjoyable to me to like watch star wars stuff and also like this is gonna sound really sad but like it's been so nice to watch star wars stuff that largely people are enjoying because i sort of hate going on the internet 
and being like, oh, are we going to fucking start one about The Last Jedi again? Cool. Can we have this argument? It's a fucking good film. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I mean, I, I would say that this is also the show where Star Wars and the uh, lead actors have had to come out and say, so you know that being racist is oh. really fucking bad, right? <sighs> I know. Like, and yeah. uh, on the one hand, at least, you know, Disney slash Star Wars have said something this time yeah. rather than just being like, we'll just phase this pair out of the next movie so that people will complain less. <laughs> like, that's not what we were, <laughs> that's mm. not the response we wanted. Um, so it's better that they've done that. But yeah, like, I have been trying really hard not to look directly at that because it really bothers me because I don't know um, Moses Ingram from anything at all. I don't, I've, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else. I don't know if she's even been in anything else. Wait, did you um, see Queen's Gambit? No, no. Uh, okay, that's the thing where most people will know her from, and she was she was great in that. Um, yeah. Even if her role uh, sort of fell into a, a trope that I'm not going to name because it involves using a, a word for a it, that can be a, 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 a well, it, it's a word for uh, black people, but it says very specific. It's not oh. that one, just to be clear. But uh, there's a trope around the character that she. Uh, portrayed but she was very good in that yeah um, well I think she's really good in this like I there wasn't anybody when I watched that because um they dropped the first two episodes didn't they yeah. at once there, there wasn't anybody in that that I was like what are they doing there <laughs> do you no. know what I mean you know how sometimes you watch a film or something and you're like this guy sticks out like a resource thumb because he is terrible what are they doing <laughs> why are yeah. they there I didn't get that feeling with anybody and I thought everybody feels really well cast to me like yeah i think the only bit i didn't like that's more about the filming was her parkour in the second (laughs) episode because it felt slow and really inefficient i need to catch up with this dude so i'm just going to do a load of uh, extraneous backflips and stuff (laughs) i've always thought that about parkour but it's something that that's that um like hollywood really likes isn't it because it looks dynamic but it's like it's taking you an extra 35 minutes The only time it's ever really worked was the parkour chase in Casino Royale. Yes, but even that was a little bit sort of like at least only the guy who was like super parkourman. Yeah. Was the one doing the park bond was just like, get it, hey you. My favourite moment in all of that is when the dude that he's comes to a wall and there's a small window at the top that hasn't been filled with glass. So he he pulls himself up or something and basically goes feet first through that hole without breaking stride james yeah. bond comes to it and just shoulder barges through the plasterboard and i think that's a i think that's a great shot and it says so much about daniel craig's bond in only like his 10th yeah. minute on screen yeah uh, i loved casino yeah. royale it is oh, a, yeah. it's a wonderful film again mass mickelson bringing the bringing My first the, uh, Mads. awesome oh i love him so much yeah Stop thinking about Mass Nicholson. Um, hey, I've just noticed what time it is, and we yep. barely talked about anything. Was there anything else that you wanted to waffle about before I start wanging comics at you? Uh, well, the only other thing I wanted to talk about was comics, so why don't you wang a couple of comics at me? Okay. Well, I, uh, friend of the show, Bevis Musson, I'm sure most people will know of Bevis, um, friend of the show and friend of me, <laughs> he's doing a Kickstarter at the moment for a comic called Beef Squad. <laughs> Beef squad, put the steaks down. <laughs> oh no, you've got the wrong kind of beef. Um, so this 
this is a comic that came about when uh, you know how Gail Simone sometimes likes to go on Twitter and just troll people. <laughs> yeah, Gail, does she do that? I didn't know bears could do that. Trolling? What are you talking about? Um, so a while ago she was tweeting about how it's really like sad that men are unfairly excluded from comics and like yep. they've got nothing to read now because all the comics are full of women and like, um, like why do we want any of this? When so, will straight white men get comics for themselves? Exactly. So like, <laughs> so Bevis, being the sort of tongue-in-cheek gay man that he is, was like, yeah, why doesn't somebody write like a beefcake comic like for the Met core? It's manly, eh? And he's he's done it. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's so good. He sent me a review copy, and um, it's like super tongue-in-cheek. As expected from Bevis, there are lots of bums and lots of big hairy pectorals. Bevis, had, are you familiar with Bevis's art style? I very much am, yes. I adore Bevis. I've, I've always I've been a huge fan of Bevis for ages. He did the um he did the artwork for mine and Rich's wedding invitations. Mm-hmm. Cute. That was like eleven years ago. Good God. Aww. <laughs> um so like I've always been a huge fan of Bevis anyway. But like his artwork and it's really hard to describe it because it's very I don't think I've ever seen anything that looks like Bevis's art. It's it's very specific. You see it and you think, yeah, that's Bevis. But it's almost impossible to describe to someone because it's kind of cartoony, but also sort of realistic, but very stylized, but not in a mm. like mega fancy and accessible way, like in a very sort of cuddly human way. <laughs> um, but like Bevis is the king of drawing beefcake. <laughs> like, like, well, he's, he's, he's on a par with Chris Anker, I think, for drawing sexy men. And this comic is full of them. So it's about the formation of uh, an all-male superhero squad called the Beef Squad who form because <laughs> basically they feel a bit slighted that all the women get to do all the superhero and they want to mm-hmm. do some of it. And so there's like a Scottish character who like only wears a kilt that's like constantly blowing up and his arse is always out. <laughs> and there's a there's a character of an indeterminate Asian origin who might be a ninja maybe. It's all very sort of like ridiculous stereotypes and like tongue in cheek nonsense. But I absolutely loved it. It made me like genuinely laugh out loud several times. There's one bit where one of the female superheroes appears and the sound effect, like big sound bubble in the background just says boob. And I just couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I was like, I wish I could enter a room and it'd just be like, boob! Everybody had know I was there. So, yeah, wholeheartedly recommend going to support that on Kickstarter. I was going to give everybody the link, but it's got a lot of numbers in it and I didn't want to fuck it up. So just go to Kickstarter and search for Beef Squad. I don't think you'll find anything else. <laughs> there are always show notes to click on, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it's so funny and it's really good. And, yeah loved it i just i just love bevis i don't know if i've said that enough times (laughs) um and i wonder if he'll send me that that 20 quid in the post after he hears this (laughs) no i'm kidding (laughs) i've actually just paid him money because i read it and then i was like well i'm kickstarting this aren't i because it's (laughs) so good um but yes that's like the first comic i've read in about a year (laughs) when it's just all boobies and bottoms well, man boobies and bottoms. Mm. Yeah, it was good. How did you feel about that? I think it sounds like a lot of fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. And I actually really hope he gets to make more of them because this issue is very much the setting up of the team. So it's like establishing the characters and how they came about their powers um, and then them sort of forming at the end mm. around sort of an event. I don't want to give any of the end away. 
so I really hope he gets to make more of it as well after this because it did it's really funny <sighs> right the other one was another kickstarter sorry I'm making everybody part with the dash but I have fairly recently read the first two volumes of The Legend of La Mariposa um, mm-hmm. and the kickstarter for the um, the third volume Vulcan's Challenge uh, starts I think on the 1st of July but I could be talking from what under pantalones so <laughs> don't hold me to that but I think it's the 1st of July. Legend of La Mariposa is the story of uh, a girl who is a luchador <laughs> masked wrestler who has a lot of hijinks and adventures and this story is about her sort of answering the uh the vulcans challenge which turns out to be are you are you a fan of wrestling at all steve uh afraid wrestling is one of those things that passes me by that's fair enough well for those that are fans of wrestling this issue uh well this volume entirely revolves around a battle royale match which is basically when all of the participants are in the ring and to eliminate people you just have to fling them out of the ring so that their feet touch the floor outside and then when you're down to the last two one of them has to win by either submission or um like pin and so it's just like a it's like a whole issue of just chaos in a wrestling ring it's wonderful the thing I love so much about it is that the artwork is like super vibrant and the colours are really pretty. The whole thing, I don't think I've even mentioned who wrote and drew it, which is really bad. Um, the whole thing is done by James Lawrence, like all the mm-hmm. colours and the, um, the lettering and everything. And it's just like really good fun. If you like wrestling and comics, I can't see why you wouldn't like this because there's like a lot of really cool like movements. The artwork's really dynamic because you would think like, oh, is wrestling going to look that good in a in a comic like where it's just like static images but somehow james makes it look like top tits amazing but it's also like not it's not so like inside baseball that if you're not a huge fan of wrestling like it's not gonna you're not gonna not get it if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. there's a couple of references to some like names of moves that you might not know but i mean i didn't know a couple of them and i'm actually into wrestling (laughs) but i'm also a forgetful idiot so (laughs) but yeah i just it's just like a really good fun read you know when sometimes you want to just like read something that just makes you forget about all the nonsense and the and the dark dark shite timeline that we're in <laughs> i would wholeheartedly recommend the legend of la mariposa because it's bright it's colorful it's fun it's all ages as well um but not i know some people when you that you say all ages and they think oh you mean it's for kids no i mean it's for all ages like i thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm nearly 37 so yeah uh, again have a look on Kickstarter, Legend of La Mariposa, which I believe is uh, means the butterfly, she says, mm-hmm. in some language. <laughs> I've forgotten which. Yeah, so wholeheartedly recommend that as well. Steve's just like great crickets because he doesn't know what to say. That was like me when you were talking about Star Trek. I'm like, oh, I don't want to harsh you buzz, but also I don't have anything to, <laughs> <laughs> to add to this. <laughs> which comics have you been reading Steve? i mean loads because i was getting them <laughs> hand delivered to me during the quarantine they my my comic shop was doing deliveries locally in ghent and they worked out my apartment was about as far as they were willing to cycle <laughs> oh, uh, so every couple good. of weeks i'd see fabian from world's end in my little sort of uh i don't know what you call it that is where the mailboxes are and there's a door okay. So we, we he'd, he'd put them down and back away. I'd pick them up. We'd say hello from across the thing. It was a, about the only friendly human contact I had for about a year. Oh, no. Oh, God, I think I'd have gone bananas if I didn't live with Rich. 
Um, but yeah, so I've, I've been reading loads, but I wanted to call out a couple of very good ones. And yeah. it's interesting if we go back to what you're talking about with uh, Beef Squad and sort of idealized human forms. Uh, Stacey, tell me, you must know who has the best arse in comics. Oh, no, I'm frightened because I feel like it's Nightwing. But You'd be absolutely right, Nightwing's <laughs> arse. Nightwing's ass is, is meme-worthy. Um, so Nightwing, the current Nightwing run, which is being written by Tom Taylor, mm-hmm. who is the Australian Tom, not the CIA Tom. Right. Because there's Tom King um, as well. Uh, he's being written by Tom Taylor, and the run is primarily drawn by Bruno Redondo, but there are other artists stepping in as well because uh, almost no one can do a monthly schedule uh, yeah. anymore. Um, it, it's just one of the best books there's ever been. Oh, nice. It's one of those runs where you just know within a couple of pages that the writer completely gets who the, the, the characters are and understands who they are, their histories, how to have fun with them. Yeah. How to not sort of wave away traumatic things like Dick Grayson's had this thing for a few years where he got shot in the head and had major sort of dissociative identity issues. So he basically abandoned everything and became Rick Grayson. Right. But, you know, th- this is after he, he got better because it's comics. No one gets shot in the head forever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It is comics. But uh, Barbara Gordon's sort of the, the main supporting person in this. They have a uh, they have a dog and the dog is called Haley after the circus where it, the Graysons were before oh. murder. Yeah, and and it's just it's one of those incredible books where you you are just have a, a grin reading it. The art is superb. They did an issue which was designed to be read. If you bought enough copies that you could pull out all the pages and lay them side by side, it would be one continuous image. Wow. Which was phenomenal. Okay, there were some tricks with forced perspective and things like that, but there were no panel breaks. Every, the right hand side of every double page splash matched up perfectly with the left side of every double page splash. It's just a really well constructed issue. Yeah. Wow. It, yeah, they did basically as a chasing, but the chase would be going in and out of buildings. At one point, they're, they're on uh, vans and cars going across a bridge in the background before coming to the foreground of the page, uh, then going into the building over the page break. It, it's really good. Mm, that sounds really interesting. Mm. So that, that that is a very good comic. And then also from DC, I want to shout out The Swamp Thing. OK. <laughs> which is Ram V and Mike Perkins. Uh, I'm, Ram V is like possibly the best writer currently in comics. He's really hit big the last couple of years. But uh, he did uh, two issues of Swamp Thing for the Future State event. So it was sort of, you know, far future, Earth in ruins, Swamp mm-hmm. Thing. And then he has picked up with the series in the the present day with a new host for the Swamp Thing. So Alec Holland, the traditional one, died in Justice League Dark, I think. So nice. the Green has looked for a new host. It's an Indian guy called Dev. Okay. Uh, and Ram. Oh, is, I bet the internet loved that. I well, Ram is from India as well, and there's uh, lots of stuff sort of looking into, for instance, how corporations work in India. Um, some Indian mysticism as well mixed in without it while it's still a swamp thing book and it's still a yeah. dc book as well so the suicide suicide squad turned up for a couple of issues which were really enjoyable because he, he got to just go sort of big actiony stuff but they they, they uh, yeah ram writes very visually and when he's yeah. got a, a, a collaborator with him who can pick up on what he wants to do and then make them great like there's a whole page which is basically a series of uh like cti scans yeah with narration but the way the scans keep changing because turns out if you're embodying 
the spirit of all plant life, your body's going to get a bit weird. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be a bit. Yeah. A bit biologically. But it's it's incredibly well done. Nice. Um, yeah. So and, and it'll be a limited series. So it was going to be uh, ten issues. And then they got a like an extension of another six. So they they took a couple of months off and then came back. So it, when it ends, it will be all self-contained as well. You don't need to be know the history of Swamp Thing other than the sort of first paragraph of Wikipedia knowledge, which is yeah. probably about all you need should need to know for any run. Yeah. Oh, nice. I am. Um, have you been watching Stranger Things? Uh, no, I've seen the first two series. Never saw the third. Kind oh, of. Okay. There's a yeah. there's a new character in in series four who I am almost certain they must have had to have asked DC if it was cool if they could rip off Swamp Thing's design. Because oh, just okay. ima- imagine if Swamp Thing, instead of being, you know, like tree branches and, and gooey swamp stuff, was just like gooey human body stuff. Okay. <laughs> so just, just imagine Swamp Thing but kind of red, and he looks almost exactly like it. I was like, this is baffling to me that they've got away with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll have to send you a picture in a bit. But yeah, I don't think I've ever read like any Swamp Thing, uh, that's re- a really bad thing to say. But I have seen the first episode of the Terrible Swamp Thing cartoon, um, which I don't recommend. There was a cartoon? Gosh. There was. And it had, mm. you know, the song Wild Thing. It had oh, that as no. the theme, but it went Swamp Thing. Then, you uh, are amazing. Oh, so, yeah, It's not good. <laughs> yeah, oh dear, oh dear is the correct response. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Um, they seem really good though. Like I, oh, I was talking to Barry of uh, Geek Syndicate fame about this, and like my problem with comics at the moment is sort of the same problem I have with a lot of other media, which is that there's just too much of it, and then I sit there for so long trying to decide what I want to read that I end up not having read anything after like two and a half hours, and I just put an episode of like I don't know Seinfeld on or something yeah. <laughs> that I've seen like a million times before, where I'm like ah, it's familiar and it's there, I'll just watch it. So, like, I've sort of fallen out a bit with comics, but I have recently pre-ordered the fancy uh, the fancy hardback copy of um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. Right, yeah. Yeah, because that is, like, a very self-contained mini-series that I can literally just read. Like, it's set in the future. <laughs> I don't need to know anything that's happening in any of the comics uh, around it. I can just read that. So I'm quite looking forward to that coming. Oh, I can I... Do a correction. I got yes. the character's name wrong. It's not Dev. It's it's Levi or Levi. Ah, okay. I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but yeah, I I got me Evs mixed up. <laughs> oh, do you know what? It always makes me sad when you see a name and you've only seen it written down and you don't know how to pronounce yeah. it. it. I don't know if the pronunciation changes. He's an Indian character, and I don't know if it is pronounced differently over there. Like I'd look yeah. and go, well, Levi, because I'm familiar with it as a sort of Jewish name. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, okay. That sounds really interesting. I'm surprised I haven't heard more about it, like, on Twitter and stuff, but mm, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I'm following the wrong people. <laughs> or maybe I've just got so many things muted, I just don't see content <laughs> anymore. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we move on to recommending some lovely songs for our listeners? No, that that was uh, all, I, all I brought. I wanted to plug a couple of comics and talk Star Trek, and I made you do both of them. Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, the only other thing I wanted to say is that if you're not watching Barry, you should be. Oh, um, I've seen the first two episodes. Only It's not hard, easy to get over here, but I love Bill Hader. Oh, mate, like Bill Hader, he gives uh, season three without spoiling any of it. Is is it season three or season four? Season three at the moment, yeah. Yeah, um, he gives like a masterclass in acting 
Um, and he directs quite a few episodes this season too, and they are they're very well done. Um, the finale in particular. Mm. Whew, oh no. Um, yeah, I, I I cannot say enough good things about that show. I think it's wonderful. Um, so yeah, that was just a very quick line for me to say that if you're not watching Barry, do it. Put it in your eyes. Um, I just heard the sound of a door. Have you just left? Have you just decided you've had enough of me? No, I leaned back. You may have heard a squeak in the chair. <laughs> oh, okay. It really sounded like a door opening. And I thought, oh, Steve's just gone, nah. <laughs> just left. <laughs> I don't say goodbye. I just walk out. In fact, no, I, walk I, out of, I walk out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just left me talking to myself like an absolute wang. Um, yeah, so I, I had to appear in a parody of the Richard Ashcroft Verve uh, video. So I just uh, popped okay. out of the streets to shoulder barge some people. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Well, speaking of, uh, t- tangentially speaking of music randomly, uh, yep. uh, what a segue. Ah, um, do you want to recommend uh, a song for our listeners to put in their ears once they finish this episode? Yeah, so I wanted to, I don't really do sort of current music. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I haven't heard a new song in about five years. Um, but uh, something that happened during lockdown was... Uh, there were lots of sort of virtual get togethers of casts of shows to sing a song, often to raise money yeah. for something or other. And one of them in particular, it became a thing that I basically had to have on at least once a day during the sort of the really lonely bit. So it was just like, nope, got to pick myself up because it was very energetic. The, there was plenty to look at. It basically um, a whole bunch of various casts of the musical Hairspray came together to sing You Can't Stop the Beat. Nice which is the it's the last song in the show it's very very upbeat it's quite it's a very energetic song and yeah uh, it was incredibly well produced so uh, there must have been a good 150 people in total uh, ranging from big stars through to chorus members all doing their own little bit but all coming together really well so it would start with like uh, Ricky Lake and whoever did the was the first I can't think of her name but the first Broadway Nikki yeah. Um, because that's the character's name. It would start with them, and then it would pick up on famous people that have been in things. There's always someone to recognise. There's an absolutely glorious moment where the two, the Broadway and the West End, Edna Turnblaps, that's the the mother, which is Harvey Fierstein for the Broadway, Michael Ball for uh, the UK, are singing together. And a bit where Michael Ball, the lyric is, I think, and the world keeps turning or spinning round and round as he's literally spinning round with his phone camera. <laughs> with a big big smile on his face and it's just yeah. it fills you with so much happiness and it's just one of those like yeah you put it on you'll be grinning by the end of it you'll be looking and going wait is, is that terry hatcher doing her laundry yes it is because <laughs> <laughs> that's am, the thing that happens i am absolutely ashamed to say i've never seen hairspray so i've never heard this song before i was I, vaguely aware of it i've never se- i had never seen it either but the um you know in the u.s they sometimes do live musicals for tv yeah yeah they did one of hairspray a few years ago and that was put onto youtube during the sort of the first lockdown as part of andrew lloyd webber's publicity thing oh here's a show for a week yeah he's an awful awful person and really shitty to his cast and crew uh shitty to this country uh because he's a conservative peer uh he's a a terrible fucking person but he put this thing online so i could enjoy it then (laughs) oh dear yeah he is an absolute disaster man yeah, did um, you see what happened with the closing of Cinderella? Oh, God, do I want to know? Cinderella went uh, closed. He didn't go to the last one. He sent a letter. In the letter, he uh, basically described reopening Cinderella after lockdown as a, a waste of money. Oh, what a pillock. 
had to issue another letter the next day to clarify his comments. And it, you, 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 there are videos of the curtain call and when they read out the statement and the looks on the cast when that statement is just like, it all drops away. He's oh, such no. a cunt. What a twat. What an absolute twat. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's not dwell on that twat. Um, anyway, the, the, this uh, particular performance was really fun and energetic. It's full of cameos. You'll be obsessed and start picking out. I'm going to watch that background performer over the next three times I watch this because their position keeps changing, but they're doing fun things. Excellent. I'll, I'll yeah. give that a watch afterwards because I uh, I did try to have a little watch earlier, but it was uh, it was difficult yeah. to do that while in, we were chatting. <laughs> in fairness, I sent you the link like five minutes before we hit record on this, so uh, that uh, that's on me. I'll let you off. I will let you mm-hmm. off. Um, hey, the song that I've picked is uh, markedly less upbeat. <laughs> I picked a song called Totally Fine. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is still a bit weird. That sounds that. passive aggressive. What's this yeah. song? Yeah, it's totally fine. It's totally fine, and it's by a band called Pup. Uh, and the sort of gist of the song is that, like, it, it, lately everything's been shit, and they've been feeling like maybe they're on like the road to death, and they don't think they really mind that much anymore. <laughs> like, maybe that's fine. Um, <laughs> I did. Maybe that's a hopeful message to some people. I don't know. Um, but it's a rad tune. They're um, proper a Canadian punk rock band. And their latest album, The Unraveling of Pup the Band, is a really, really like mm-hmm. punchy, energetic, angry album. But this particular song is like it's a strong contender for my song of the year so far. Cool. Um, it's just like really like cathartic. We're going. We're hopefully, I say, you know, crossing all the crossables for. I mean, we're supposed to have seen three bands this year that have all cancelled for various reasons. So like now we're just like, are we going to see any live music ever again? But we are hopefully going to be seeing Pup at the end of the year, and I'm sort of semi excited and semi worried that I am going to be like a, a sweaty, aching disaster afterwards. Because if you just watch like a live performance of them on YouTube, like the rooms that they're in are just utter madness. Talk about a multiverse of madness, guys. Yeah, it's just absolute chaos. And I've got a feeling that I might be too old for that. Um, <laughs> or too no. post-COVID. Too post-COVID for it is what I am. But yeah, like I'm really excited about going to see them because they're just like, they just feel really like, it's it's weird because punk is obviously something that's been around for a really long time, but they feel like kind of fresh. So yeah, it's uh, totally fine by Pup, the band. So I'll put I'll put that song on the playlist, on the old Spotify playlist, if people want to have a listen. I might have to just take a random performance of You Can't Stop the Beat that happens to be on Spotify and put it oh, on the yeah, playlist. Oh, yeah, this... Because yeah, this the, version won't be on there, I wouldn't have thought. No, it was done for YouTube to be released there for the lockdown. So yeah, it's not on an album or anything. Yeah, but I'll put the uh, I'll put the YouTube link in the show notes. So if you want to have a look at that actual specific performance, then you can uh, you can find it there. So Steve, have you got anything that you would like to plug before we uh, do a little twenty one skadoosh? Yeah, just to say, uh, if you wanna. If you haven't been put off by the last hour and a bit of me chatting, you can find me on Twitter at QuizLacey, Q-U-I-Z-L-A-C-E-Y. And you can either search the word Fantasticast or go to the Fantasticast.com for the my podcast 
the Fantasticast, which does Fantastic Four comics and is called the Fantasticast. That's that's the word Fantasticast used enough, right? I reckon so. And I tell right. you what, if you wanted to particularly listen to episode 194, I would highly recommend <laughs> it. There's some there's some broad on there called like Stacy or something, and she talks about women with conical <laughs> what did you tits. Talk about <laughs> women with conical tits yep. and the things under crackers. Um, amongst other things (laughs) yes and uh episode 361 which is currently in the future but maybe in the present or past by the time you listen to this will also feature stacy (laughs) it will we're recording it in a bit hopefully if i haven't she said yes and everything i did oh god it's so hot in this tiny room It'll be a panic podcast. Anyway, Steve, it's been an absolute delight having you back in the parlour. Thank it's you so much. It's been lovely to talk to you. It, it's been so long. We haven't seen each other for so many years because of a uh, pandemic and countries and geography and stuff. So yeah. it's been lovely. Yeah, it's been lovely. Um, listeners, you know where all my information is. So go follow Steve and have a lovely whatever the rest of the day is. I hope it's cooled down by the time this episode comes out. Because it was like 26 degrees earlier today, and I, I can't do that. I just can't. <laughs> yes, have a lovely one, listeners. I'll see you next month. Ta-ra! Bye! Thank you for listening to Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour. To get in touch with me, the titular Stace, you can follow me on Twitter at Stacey's Parlour, send an email to stacysparlour at gmail.com, or come and join the Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook group. If you'd like to leave a review for the show, please do so on Apple Podcasts or over at podchaser.com. If you like what you heard enough to want to give me some money, which would be quite spectacular actually, you can go to coffee.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. That's ko-fi.com forward slash Stacey's Parlour. The music that you're hearing right now is by the amazing band Starbomb and you should really check them out on Spotify, iTunes or on their website. Thanks for stopping by and I'll see you next month. Mwah!